I'm glad we're together today in this space. Uh, my name is Mark Cummins, and I'm the pastor at Church of Hope. And if you're a regular attender, welcome. So glad that week after week we join together in this space. And if by chance this is your first time, I'm really glad that we're beginning our friendship today. Uh, understand that this broadcast literally goes around the world for free. See, we believe that life's at its best when people discover hope in Christ. There are people who give generously so this broadcast can be reached across every continent. If you've never given, I would invite you today to give. You can go to our webpage, hopeinocala.com, and drop down on the giving bar and give a one-time gift. Or you can give generously beyond just today. And if God's blessed you, help us as we give hope around the world. But for now, I want you to open up your heart and your mind. Let Jesus speak to you because what I believe is that when we open up our minds and let Jesus speak to us, life doesn't become perfect and all the problems don't go away, but you experience his presence in you, with you, and for you. Open up your heart. Let Jesus speak to you today. Peace. The illusion of control is for real. That's why as human beings, we spend so much time trying to gain control. The illusion of control is for real. In some ways, maybe many ways, we are a lot like the little girl who was fidgety and her mom told her to sit down. She just had the wiggles. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just got the wiggles and it's really hard to just say sitting down. Maybe you got someone like that in your family, right? And, and, and mom just said, sit down. And so the little girl finally did, but then she said this to her mom. I might be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. <laughs> The illusion of being in control is for real. It can be the illusion, right, of you're planning a picnic or a gathering or an outdoor wedding, and you dot all your I's and cross all your T's, and you check the weather app, and it looks like it's going to be just good weather, and then it's time for the day. And you thought it was going to go your way. The illusion of control is for real. But the reality this morning is you are not in control. Maybe just to help us, would you look to the person to the left of you right now and just say, you're not in control. Just go, you're not in control. All right? Now look back at the other person and say, neither are you. Huh, there, fine. <laughs> I heard someone say my wife is. <laughs> That's not, the, that's not the point of this teaching. Hey, so, hey, uh, it might be reality, but it might not be the point of the teaching. It's not the point of this teaching. Uh, my, my goal this morning is simply this, and next week, kind of two weeks together talking about this topic is this, is to repurpose the energy. We all in this space spend a lot of energy, time, money, effort to gain control of our life gain control of circumstances, gain control of another person, 
The goal is to repurpose the energy that you and I try to use in the illusion of control to come to the conclusion God is in control. You're already spending the energy, so I'm not going to ask you to do anything extra or more. I'm just going to talk about instead of us spending so much time in the illusion that you have control, to come to the conclusion God is in control. Now, before we go any farther, I want to be real. Trusting God as a human is the hardest thing you will ever do. That's why it's so challenging for you, for me. Trusting God is the hardest thing that we will ever do. But trusting God is the best thing that you and I will ever do. And in a world that seems like it's spiraling out of control, the timing is right for us to move from the illusion of control to the conclusion that God is in control. Because this illusion of us being in control, it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost physically. Stanford did a research study and 50 to 80% of all doctor visits are the result of stress that's connected to someone whose life was out of control and they're trying to get it back in control. Emotionally, we stress out about tomorrow and the anxiety of what's going to happen because it feels like things are out of control. How many relationships no longer exist because you were trying to control them? Or you, you felt like you were being controlled by him or her and you pulled away money and habits. This, this downward pull that somehow if we can have more of it, we'll have more control of life. And for us to proceed forward in this Bible study is we do have to come to a conclusion at the beginning. And here's the conclusion. That all of us are control freaks. If you're a human being this morning, you have a tendency, a propensity to want to be in control. Now, some of us do it a little bit sneakier. Some of us are just bold in it, but we all want control. My poor family, um, when we lived in Pennsylvania, we would come to Florida for our annual two-week vacation. And when you live in Pennsylvania, where you can literally have snow, where we lived, we could have snow even on Memorial Weekend, right? I wanted to come to Pennsylvania, and I wanted sunshine. I wanted heat. I wanted to sweat. Do you understand? You should say, yes, you live here. You, you know, right? You get it, right? And so we would come, and we would make a reservation at one place, and um, it would be cloudy. I mean, I mean... How dare it be cloudy? And I would begin looking for a new hotel on the other side of the state because it was sunnier on the East Coast. I would pack my family up. We would drive over to the East Coast, lose the reservation that we had on the West Coast, get to the East Coast, get checked in, head down to the beach. And do you know what happened? It started to rain. We would zigzag. You are laughing. You should see the two sit on the front row over here. It's their life. It's their story. I'm just telling you, we all have this thing inside of us that we think we can control it. 
Some of us, right, we're convinced that if we could have it all planned out just right and we'd have everything perfect and all of our I's dotted and, and T's crossed, if we had everything organized in our life, then everything would be in perfect control. Or it's like you're going to serve other people. You're going to help them. You're going to make their world so happy. And then, right, they'll be happy. And if everybody's happy, then we'll have control and everybody will like each other and everything will be just fine. Until it's not, right? Or you work really hard to win. You're going to be successful because if you're successful and you're, you're number one and you're at the top of the mountain, then now the whole world will feel like it's in your control. Or there's those investigators, right? We all have one of those in our family. They're, they are the researcher. And you come together at the holidays and someone starts bringing up something and saying, well, I read... Right, we went through the pandemic and we had the whole time where someone said one thing about science and the other person said, well, that's not what I read or what I saw, kind of a deal, right? We, we control by pretending there, there are no problems. Everything in the world is just right. Let's just all be happy and it's a happy dance, right? And I love you, you love me, we're a big happy family, like life's going on. Others, man, I'm telling you, the moment you feel like you're out of control, you're gonna blow it up. I'm going to get it all back into my control. I'm going to line it up. I'm going to fix it. And everybody in this family is going to be happy about it because I fixed it. However you or I might try to gain control, the reality is we are not in control. And this morning, just imagine what it might be like if we would take all that energy that's not producing anything healthy in our life as we try to gain control and pretend like we are in control. And we flipped it and came to the conclusion that God is in control. So how did we get here? How, how did we as a bunch of human beings who want best for our life, how did we get to this place where we are so fixated on control? Well, if you're taking notes, number one is we, we inherited it. Just like we inherit certain characteristics from our earthly uh, parents and grandparents going all the way back to our first parents. We inherited this desire. We crave control. Notice the Bible in Genesis chapter two in your Bible or on the big Bible on the screen. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from the tree, any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, that's pretty clear, right? I mean, we get to eat from every single tree. Every single tree, just not that tree. All the other trees. We get it all, baby, but that tree. But that desire, that crave to be in control, to have it all. Because if you had a little bit more, you'd be happier. If you knew a little bit more about this, you'd be more in control of your life and you wouldn't feel like it was out of control. Notice Genesis 3, 4, and 5. Page over in your Bible. The adversary, the serpent, says, you will not certainly die, the serpent says to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, listen, the moment you get some more knowledge, when you know more, you'll feel like you're in more control. And this really is the plague of the West. We in the West are told, we're taught that if you just knew more, if you understood life more, if you had more data and more information, then your life would be in more control. We live in a society that promotes control. We inherited this control from our first parents, but we also live in a society that promotes it. Think about it. 
You get online today and you put a word in Google and you're in control. Whatever you want, it's going to kick out something back at you. You're in control. You just put one word and boom, you get it, right? Or you want to buy something, so you go to Amazon Prime. You put it in there and you get a good price and there's Amazon Prime. And immediately you are in control. What you want comes to your doorstep. If you don't like it, you send it back. You're in control. You pick up the phone or even on your, on your, on your app, you order whatever kind of food. You're in control. It comes to your house. There is this thing that gives us this impression we're in control. Even parents and coaches and teachers with really good intentions will say to a client, will say to a student, will say to a son or a daughter, listen, you control your destiny, right? You're, you're, the, you're the master of your universe. Your future is yours for the taking until it doesn't happen. And that emotional disconnect, I think a lot of the mental instability that we're seeing in our culture today is we say to little ones as they're growing up that, listen, whatever you want, you can have it. And whatever dream, if you dream it and you go for it and you get it, and then they don't. Why? Because it's an illusion that you are in control. Often something will happen in someone's life and they'll be like, I just feel like I'm so out of control. Like, I feel like my life's out of control. No, 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 no. Your life was never in control. You're just now recognizing what the reality is, is that you're not in control. The twists and the turns, and you can plan, you can prepare, and have all your best intentions. My friend that I train with, Nick Blazer, he's in Barcelona, Spain right now. He's racing the Ironman Barcelona race. And when we would train and go do races, right, we would train and do all of our best. We'd have the right hydration and the right nutrition. We'd have our bike dialed in. We'd have our swim dialed in, our run dialed in. And then we'd get to the race, and the weather conditions are out of our control. Or something happened on the course, or another rider, and we'd often say this to each other, you have to take what the race gives you because you're not in control. You could do all that training and all that preparation and you travel and you get in your hotel and you do all the things, but then on race day, you have to take whatever the race gives you. So what's the problem? The problem ultimately back at Genesis chapter three is somehow we think that we, by knowing more, will be like God. That, that somehow if you knew more, then you could control more. This word knowledge brings all kinds of words, like you're in control. If you had more knowledge, you'd, you'd be in more control. You'd have power and money and autonomy. And we use knowledge to, to promote a religion. We shame people. We, we use knowledge to make ourselves more popular, to advance relationships that I'm better than somebody else. And to be clear, this is not an anti-knowledge discussion message this morning. Knowledge is a God-given gift. Knowledge is a God-given gift. The benefit of learning is humility and wisdom. What Genesis is revealing, what we experience is the idolatry of knowledge. Somehow if I knew more, it would give me this illusion that I'm in control more. Where in reality, we're not. 
And that's where you find that disconnect. That's where you find your emotions and your mind get all turned up and we get stress-filled and anxious and those physical manifestations begin to boil up in our bodies because we're so thirsty to think that somehow we would be safer if we were in control. See, control belongs to God, not you. In the garden, God was reminding Adam and Eve that he was in control. Listen, I made all of this for you and you enjoy it. Enjoy it. This tree, you don't touch it. See, when you crave control, when you try to take control of your family, control of your spouse, control of your employees, control of, employees, control of an election, control of culture, control of society, when you try to control it, you're stealing from God. That control doesn't belong to you. That control belongs to God. This is the whole emphasis where God teaches in the Bible about giving and tithes and offerings. So you think it's about money. It's got nothing to do with money. It's about God reminding us that he's in control and he uses this piece that's so prominent in our lives. Because many of us believe that if we had more money, we'd be in more control. Now, you could have more money, you have more options. If you've got more money, you don't have to fly coach in the back with the rest of us. You buy yourself your little first class seat, right? And you get up there and you sit up front with all of them and you get your china and you get your food and you get all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. If that flight gets delayed, you delayed too. You're not in control. Even if you have more, control belongs to God. We live with this illusion that we are in control. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, we know that we all have knowledge, and we do. In this gathering, there's all kinds of knowledge. Some of you are architects. Some of you are missionaries. Some of you are businessmen. Some of you are barbers. Some of you are architects. Some of you are data specialists. We have knowledge. That knowledge can be used for very good purposes. But the warning from Scripture is that knowledge can puff us up rather than love building us up. Imagine going back to the pandemic, rather being a country that was going forward by knowledge. This scientist says this. Follow the science here. No, my scientist says this. Wear this mask. Don't wear this mask. Get this shot. Don't get the jab. All the knowledge rather than love. Because love builds up. Love is a foundation that you can build upon. This thirst for control and knowledge, it minimizes. Because the thought is, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Has it ever dawned on anybody that the logo on the back of this device that you have in your hand is straight from Genesis chapter 3? Now, I realize there's some good redemptive uses for this gig, but you realize the very thing that happened in Genesis chapter 3, that, listen, if you eat of this tree, you'll know more, you'll be in control more, is going on today in your hand. This device tells you that you can know more, have more, control more. 
The same issues are happening. The same illusion that was in Genesis 3 is happening in 2023. And the danger with this knowledge is that when it's used for our control, it brings a couple things. One, it brings shame and anxiety. Go back to the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. Then their eyes were opened. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And when they hid from the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And it goes back to, you know, they, they sewed fig leaves. You've seen the same pictures that I have, right? That, you know, Eve, she sewed some fig leaves and she had like the bikini thing going on, right? And uh, Adam sewed some fig leaves and, you know, he had board shorts or some, some kind of swim trunks on, right? And, and they covered up their differences. They didn't cover up their elbows. I look across this room and some of you have your elbows exposed, male and female. You didn't cover up your nose, your ears, your eyes. You covered up your differences. We use our differences to shame one another. That's the core behind racism. We, 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 we take a difference and we shame another people group by it. That's a result of the sin in the garden. It's the result of this idea that if I knew more, I could control more. That sense of shame. Also the anxiety. They're in the garden in the cool of the day. They're used to hanging out with God and now they're hiding from God. You can imagine what they're thinking. What's God going to do? God said we're not supposed to eat from that tree, and we ate from that tree. Oh, my goodness, we better hide. God's going to be mad at us. This, this desire that we want so badly crave to control it, it brings shame, and it brings anxiety, and it also results in broken relationships. The relationship with God, which was pure, is shattered. They would walk with God, talk with God, hang out with God, and now... Because the illusion that they could be in control, they're hiding from God. How many of our relationships are broken? Because we thought we could control them. Even if you were being passive aggressive and you were doing nice things for them and you said this and you made this for them and you did this and then you didn't get the result that you wanted you didn't get the control that you wanted and then you blew up L listen it's painful when somebody is aggressive against you i would suggest it's doubly painful when people are passive aggressive because they're sneaking up and it all is rooted in this thing called control. And it doesn't just stop in Genesis chapter 3. You go a few chapters later in Genesis chapter 11, and the idea is we can build this tower, the Tower of Babel, and we'll go all the way up towards the heavens, and we'll ascend and be just like God, because we know that as we communicate together as a people group and we ascend towards the heavens, we would be like God. <laughs> Not much has changed today, has it? Our Tower of Babels are dotted all across the landscape. 
And the idea that somehow that we could connect the whole world together, that is unless you have Verizon, which you can't ever get connected with somebody and you got drop calls all the time. <laughs> Broken relationship. See, when I use control to fix things, it only breaks them more. And I'm telling you at 58, I wish I'd have learned this at 28. Because with really good intentions, particularly with other people, I've tried to step in with what I thought was good intentions and tried to be health and healing to the situation. But the way it was perceived is I'm trying to control them. And in reality, I was. It reminds me of the first movie in the Harry Potter movies, what was known as the devil's snare. And Harry and his friends are caught up in this snare and the harder they would push against the vines, the tighter the vines would pull against them. It wasn't until they relaxed that they would slip through the vines. And many of us are living in the devil's snare in 2023. You're pushing against circumstances and you're pushing against what's happening in politics. You're pushing against what's happening in the news. You're pushing against what's happening in your family. Things seem so out of control. So you're so bent on trying to get control back. It just gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. That's why if we repurpose all this energy and resistance in trying to get control to the conclusion that God is in control, it becomes life-changing. So how do we get there? Let me give you a step or two and you can be on your way and practice this week. Here's kind of the first big idea. If we're gonna, if we're gonna get to this place where we move from the illusion of control to the conclusion that God is in control, it starts here. The only thing that you can control is self-control. And so to all the parents and coaches and teachers uh, are in the house, listen, instead of us giving the illusion that our sons and daughters control their destiny or they're the master of their universe or the future is for their taking, teach them self-control. This is the definition of maturity. A toddler who's immature wants what they want when they want it. They do not have the emotional capacity to understand the timing might not be right. And so they have a temper tantrum. Why? Because they are out of control. Self-control inwardly says, no matter what the circumstances happening around me, no matter what a politician's doing, my spouse is doing, my child, my neighbor, no matter what's happening internally, I have self-control internally that I will not allow what's happening externally to control me internally. And my friends, what I just gave you will absolutely change your life. It's the greatest deficit in your personal life and in your professional life. And it's incredibly biblical. Listen to what God's word says in Proverbs chapter 16. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. In other words, you think a Navy SEAL is the warrior. What God says is the self-controlled man or woman is the warrior. The ability to be in control internally rather than reacting to everything that's happening around you. You have self-control and you're able to respond. Proverbs 25 and 28, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. When we have no self-control, we become defenseless. 
And the Apostle Paul gave us a, a list so that we would understand if we were under the control of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and we save the best for last, self-control. You understanding that I'm not in control of what happens around me. I can't change her. I can't change that. But the one person in the world that I can change is me. Besides knowing Jesus, one of the best truths that I taught my daughters was to be in control of your attitude. You who are pilots understand there is an attitude indicator. And that attitude indicator tells you if you're flying parallel and you're taught that you have to yield how you feel to the attitude indicator because the attitude indicator is the true understanding of how you're flying and your attitude when you take control of it. So how do we do it? How do we take self-control? How do we practice this this week? Let me give you some homework as you walk out the door. Here's the first big step. How to have self-control is this, is move from placing blame to having ownership. You got to own it rather than blame it. Let's go back to the Bible. Look what it says in Genesis chapter three. This is God. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, oh yes, God, I ate from it. I was so wrong. I take full responsibility. It was me. That's not what he said. <laughs> and the man said, the woman. <laughs> the woman that you put here with me. It was good, God. It was you, me, and the animals, and life was good. But then you brought the woman. <laughs> the woman, you, and she gave me some of this fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Now, before all the women get picked on too much this morning, let's just pause for a second and think about something. Particularly if you're a man here and you've got a woman. Where was Adam? I mean, the devil's coming up and talking to your woman. I would think you'd be, excuse me, who are you? What you looking at? Put your eyes up, big boy. That's my woman. Wait, wait, what's going on? He, Adam didn't say nothing. And may I suggest the real hell that we live today isn't as much as the woman giving into the temptation of the serpent as much as it was the silence of Adam. And may I say one more time, the problem in our culture today is still the silence of man. I'm a woman. No ownership. He's blaming on the woman that you, oh, by the way, God, it's your fault. Notice what she said. The Lord God says to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, oh God, I'm so sorry. I ask you, forgive me. It was, I, I'm just, please. 
the serpent that you created. By the way, we wouldn't be in this mess, God, if you wouldn't have created that serpent. Why did you create that? There's no self-control. And listen, we do the same thing today at work with our boss. We do it with our spouses. We do it with our children. We do it with our parents. We do it with a coach. Flip the script this week. Ask the Holy Spirit those points where you're beginning to blame somebody, complain about your situation, or try to defend your position. Invite the Holy Spirit immediately to silence you. And then you got to do the hard work and take ownership. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but Mark, it's really not my fault. It's what they did. And I mean, I, 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 wait, time out. Being right is highly overrated. See, here's the thing is we've put a high premium on knowledge, and I'm for knowledge and learning, but watch this. Knowledge in itself has no authority unless you understand wisdom. We know a lot of people who have knowledge. They've gone to college. They've gone to graduate school. They have letters behind their name. They're in a place of power, but they have zero wisdom. See, wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. You can know something and still be stupid. Wisdom gives you the application of the knowledge that you have for the benefit of all. Notice all the way into the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, here's the outline. When you get stupid, here's how it happens. Are you ready? But each person, put your name in there, but Mark is tempted when Mark is dragged away by Mark's own evil desires and enticed. Mark starts thinking about it. You start thinking about, you start wondering what it might be like to be with them. Or if you did this or you had this, you start thinking about it. And then notice, then after desire in your brain has conceived, now it's become alive. The thought and the plan of action has conceived and it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. That's why David said to God, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Flip the script this week. Own it. Take responsibility. Even if what something's done is on the outside of you, you've got to own how you're responding to it. Many of us, when it's a circumstance or a person that's doing or saying something and we begin to feel anxious because life is out of control right now, we don't know why God would let this happen. We take control of the self internally. And we choose to respond, not by gaining the illusion of control, but rather coming to the conclusion, I don't understand everything right now. I don't know when, I don't know where, and I don't know how, but my God is in control, and in his timing, it will work out for my best. Absolutely. Glad you and I agree. Let me give you one more thing, and we're going to talk about more of this next week, is this idea, is to have self-control, you got to take ownership rather than blaming, and then second, you've got to move from a place of control to submission. 
Matter of fact, here, here would be the question I would give to you this morning to ask yourself this week. What are you trying to control that you should be submitting? Marriage, you're trying to control it, submit it to God. Direction of the country, instead of trying to control it through an election, submit it to God. Kids, neighbors, whatever that thing is, rather than trying to control it, flip it, and submit it to God. Why? Because Isaiah says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, God says to us, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. James chapter 4, the Bible says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You want the devil off your back? It starts with submitting to God. And when you submit to God, rather than trying to control it, when you submit, you now have a greater source inside of you to resist that temptation from the devil. We're going to land this morning a little different. Before we get there, let me just say this. One, the illusion that you can be in control of your life and save your life will absolutely destroy your life. Thank you. Being together in this space today is really good. If you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I'd like to invite you today to start following Jesus. It's not about your behavior. It's not about your church attendance. It's about the reality that Jesus is for you. God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Would you right now pray this prayer with me? Hey God, it's me. I've sinned and I know it and I can't fix me. But today I receive you, Jesus, as my savior. I believe that you died on that cross for me and that you were buried for three days and then you became alive again. And I invite you into my life to guide me and direct me all the rest of the days of my life. And with that prayer, my friend, welcome to God's family. I'd like to continue our friendship. If you would email me, pastor at hopeinocala.com. I'll follow up with you and together we'll celebrate Jesus in your life. Peace.